0: This episode was never supposed to happen. I literally tweeted out that I would not be making a post-game show. And then a follower named Jessica tweeted, Well, what about hearing from Roddy? And I don't know why that got me. It was was very simple, and then I kept thinking about it as I was getting ready for bed. Eventually, they came back out to my desk, and here we are. There's going to be a podcast. Go ahead and roll the intro.
1: 9,393 days of frustration. Day of NHL existence the Carolina Hurricanes have won the Stanley
0: Cup. Welcome to Home Ice Advantage with historical perspectives, modern day deep dives, special guests, and a healthy mix of good, bad, and or hot takes. This is the best place for you to learn about your Carolina home games. I just want to say thank you and I'm looking forward
1: to this challenge. It's an honor and I think we're gonna do great things.
0: are going to start with Rod Brendamore this morning in a scrum with media and he's asked a question that I think is very pressing and I think you'll see why. You talked about the other day being a little bit of a mismatch with you know the mm-hmm. lineup you put out and the lineup they put out it might be a little bit of that tonight too. Is it hard to evaluate guys when It's when easier.
1: Yeah, It's easier because the game should go one way or the other and then but if it doesn't and Say it works in our favor, then someone's playing well, someone's standing out. So it actually can, you know, at times make it a little easier.
0: That is what we in the business like to call foreshadowing. <laughs> but I guess the we should explain something first. Why did the Carolina Hurricanes play mostly NHLers against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who played mostly AHLers? And then why did that happen vice versa when the team traveled to Florida? There's a couple reasons here. Uh, the first one is that, I mean, the Stars know they're going to be on the team. They don't really have anything to prove. If you've noticed, the only defenseman we haven't seen play yet is Jacob Slaven and Brett Barnes. I got a spoiler alert for you. They're going to be the top blue line pair. It's, there's no if and so but about it. They will be. And they're not really needed to play right now. They're going to put in the work. They're still practicing, but they're not needed. And that happens with a lot of the veterans. Sebastian Allher is going to be on the roster. Why should he have to travel to Florida? He should stay at home and do his conditioning with Bill Bornestead rather than spending a day going to Florida and then coming back. There's also something to say about injuries. You are less likely, like statistically, to get injured in your home building. And I don't know if that's, you know, you know your ice better or you don't get as nervous or whatever. I don't. It could just be a total coincidence. But statistically, you get injured more on the road. And that's not not part of it, you know what I mean? The the heartbreak of a season is a guy who gets injured in a preseason game and then misses the season. I guess, basically, long story short, uh, they don't play the Stars because they don't have to, and they kind of want to protect them. So, in tonight's game, from the start, we knew that the Hurricanes roster would be outmatched in skill by the Florida Panthers roster. Hypothetically... Florida should have beat us. They didn't. And to get back to Rod's question, his answer was perfect.
1: The game should go one way or the other, and then, but if it doesn't, let's say it works in our favor, then someone's playing well. Someone's standing out. So.
0: The question we are faced with now after the Carolina Hurricanes 5-2 win over Florida is who stood out? And hot take Colin here, it's not a guy. It's the team. It's the system. It's how we played. Yeah, you can point to Coglin, who had five blocks and got another power play point. You could point to Dezingle and Nason, because one of them scored a goal. We don't really know who, because the league keeps changing their mind, but one of them did, okay? You could talk about them. You could talk about Mar- Jordan Marnook, who early in the game, had a couple of good defensive plays. To be honest with you, I didn't hear it. I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't see it, because no one saw the first, like, I don't know, 27 minutes of that game, unless you were in Florida. So, you know, that sucked, but not my point. Uh, But hearing it made it sound like he was doing a very good job. Derek Stepan had a goal. He blocked a couple of shots. He had two takeaways, like... Everyone on the roster contributed, and that's the only way—and I mean the only way—they were capable of beating that team in front of them. Just look at who was sitting in between the pipes for Florida. Sergei Bobrovsky is not some newcomer. He's not some Joe Smo off the street. He's not a Zamboni driver who works for the organization. He's played almost 600 NHL games with a save percentage well above 900. There was no way that a ragtag bunch of prospects should have been able to hang five around his neck. And it's not like they had an insane amount of shots. I, I want to say it was less than 30. They, the Hurricanes actually were outshot by Florida in this game. Still pulled out the W. This is where I would normally try to play clips from the game and break down goals and, you know, the setup for it and who contributed and all that. The, the problem is, as I've said already, and you most likely know, I didn't get to watch the first 27 minutes of the game gonna be 100% honest. We all know what happened. There was technical difficulties in Florida. Actually, as it turns out, there was technical difficulties not only on the live stream that we couldn't watch, but there was difficulties setting up the radio broadcast for Mike Maniscalco and Trip Tracy. So we should count ourselves lucky that we even got to listen to them. Also, on a complete side point, there was a lot of people who were dunking, on Florida for this and like uh, you know, calling them a Mickey Mouse organization or hey uh poverty franchise stuff like that. And I'm gonna be hundred percent honest with you, if you felt that way, you're a loser. Like I'm sorry, but you you're complaining because the infrastructure and a place that literally just and I mean literally like left hours beforehand had a hurricane make landfall a garbage place because there was a slight inconvenience in your life to watch a game that didn't even matter, you're a loser. Like, just get over yourself. You're not that important. Did it suck? Yeah. Did I not like it? Yeah. Did I end up just listening to the radio broadcast and live tweeting it? Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to go attack some random social media admin about it because I'm an adult. That's how we behave. We don't get to do that. And you're a loser. Let's hop off of that. My whole point of saying this is that I, I'm not going to break down the goals the same way we want to. So I'm going to jump straight into Rod Brendamore's post-game well comments. I'm trying not to make a ha- habit out of this, but I think you guys should hear the question because it—you th- can hear the excitement in the reporter's voice. You can tell that they're excited to ask this question. Rod, you said this morning that. things go in our favor, something went right, somebody stood out. I imagine you're pretty pleased with how tonight went.
1: That was great. I mean, especially the start. I mean, I was kind of, you know, you never know, I mean, a day like this where you have to travel all that going into it. Obviously, our lineup, you know, clearly wasn't, you know, I don't know how you want to call it, but it was we were missing some pretty big pieces, but the guys that were in there just really just competed hard. I know it's a preseason game and but that's, that's the only way you would have a chance to win against a team like that.
0: So, it's good. The only way you would have a chance to win against a team like that. He doesn't say it, but if you're reading in between the lines, which, as a person in the media, I, I do, and I'm usually wrong, but in this case, I'm right. They did what needed to be done as a team to get a win over an opponent that is better than they are. Of course, most of these players will not be on a roster or come postseason. But in a case where we f- would face off against a team that's better than us, and trust me, there's not many of them left in the league, we have to be able to dig in, trademark of Trip Tracy, um, and get that win. And that's what they did tonight. They dug in, they did everything right. Well, not everything right, excuse me. There w- were still mistakes. I mean, we took, what, four or five penalties? But they dug in and got the job done to get the win over an opponent they were outmatched on. Stefan Nason, who either did or did not score the first goal, but either way got a point for it, uh, I guess we'll never know, uh, was interviewed after the game and summed it up better than I could, and summed it up better than Bryndamore did.
1: I thought we played the right way, um, and yeah, that's a, that's the way that Rod's been preaching, is uh, go out there, work hard, and you know, anything can kind of happen. And... Uh, you know, the group we put on the ice, you know, we outworked them. Um, I'd say, probably more than half the game. Uh, I think we had a little bit of time we spent on our heels taking the penalties and stuff, but uh, we, have a, we have a really good penalty kill. I think uh, Glees does a good job back there, and it showed.
0: This isn't what Nason was saying, so I'm not going to get stuck on it, but I just want to mention that we cannot rely on our penalty kill to save the day for us committing stupid penalties. We've learned that countless, countless, countless times. We've had an incredibly good penalty kill since Rod got here. Did we we win the cup? Did I miss it? No, we didn't. In fact, those stupid penalties cost us, because even if you have a power play that's above 90%, when you're committing 10 penalties a game, you're still giving up a goal a game. But not the point. His point there is that everyone played the game well right everyone worked as a team everyone dug in and did what they needed to do to win the game brendan Moore himself was even asked about nason's response and this is what he had to say
1: yeah i mean for the most part i mean we had our hiccups which is expected and um but we were able to block some shots we did some things that you know got us out of trouble um and then it was just capitalized on our chances and again though no, i thought the I thought overall it was just a great effort, which is what you want to see this time of year. Like it's you know, You're know you trying to build something with, it, with new guys. It was all new guys in there, all young kids, and them getting the message on how we need to play. I thought
0: that was pretty good. I'm not going to keep repeating the same point here. I think we all get the message. So I'm going to move on to Auntie Ranta and the heart attack he tried to give me. <laughs> It's the easiest way to say it. First, we're going to listen to Rod Brindamore answer a question about how Rod thought Auntie played. Then I'll come back and talk about why, why Ronta decided to give everyone in the fan base a little scare.
1: Can you speak about how Ronta played in that tonight? He was good. You know, he made some big saves. Um, you know, then mean the other guy, you know, Saw Chango came in right away saw a couple of shots early and made some good saves for us. So, you know, everybody talks about goaltending. You got to have it. And uh, it was good to see. You.
0: So for those who don't know, maybe you didn't watch the game and this is how you're going to catch up on it. Antiranta played the first 40 minutes and had a solid 40 minutes, but then did not come back out after the second intermission. And, you know, sports fans... Do not like that. <laughs> we're we're very particular people. We do not like sudden changes. So when he didn't come out, you know, no one thought he like tore an ACL or anything. You know, knock on wood. But we were we were worried, and we wanted to know what happened. Even Trip Tracy was like, "Hey, I don't want to speculate, but where the heck is Auntie?" It, it came out after the game. He was just chilling in the locker room. If I had to guess, Rod just decided, you know what? You, yeah, you're not needed. Go ahead and rest. You pl- you played your forty minutes. We'll we'll see what happens. And that's that's fine. Just maybe next time, send out a tweet. Let us know. Like don't don't leave us in the dark for an entire period on whether or not Auntie's okay. Just for you after the game to be like, oh yeah, no man, he was just hanging in the locker room. Or bad. Like really? That, that's so messed up. Speaking of things that I think were messed up, I want to talk about Jordan Marnuk again. I talked about earlier how he made a couple good defensive plays in the force period. But that's not what this is going to be about. I want to talk about the percentage of the fan base that now feels it's time to get rid of Jordan Marnuk. And honestly, stuff like this is going to happen when you're in such a tight cap situation. And it's going to be like this for the next two years. And as much as we all love Jordan Marnuk, you cannot say that he's there to score goals. Jordan Marnuk is there for the vibes. Jordan Marnuk is there because he's a good locker room leader who helped build this team into what it is today within its culture. And got a contract because of it. So I want to read this tweet from Kate uh, on Twitter, at Flory Shea. I'm just saying that if the Canes wanted to potentially overpay locker room leaders' contributions on the ice not required, Nito was right there. And now he's wearing an A for the Preds, and I have to watch Martinuk for a whole nother year. And before anything else, I completely see your point on Jordan Martinuk. But comparing Jordan to Nito is not fair. Nito literally makes twice as much as Martinuk does. So you're saying that we should have kept Nino and still been in a bad cap situation, even with Garno on LTIR. I don't know though. But your point with Marinek is taken. There was another tweet from Deb or at Deb underscore or underscore a underscore M. <laughs> That's your your ad is just too much. I'm just I'm just putting that out there. That's just too much. But she had to say this. I don't see the justification for keeping Marnuk in the lineup over some of these guys. I hate it, but there were a lot of options for that spot. She continued in another tweet. Love the guy. Love what he's done for this team. Also, can't fathom telling some of these other guys that they didn't own a spot. And I think Deb, Deb hit it right on the nail for me. What is the real justification of having Marnuk on the team? It's that he's a good guy. I I joked about it a couple of weeks ago, is that Marnuk is really like a league minimum type guy, maybe $800,000, but he is just so good. He puts out such good vibes that it affects his overall value. And that's how he got 1.8. But is it worth it to us anymore? And I say this, I love John Marnuk. Marty party all day. But would it not be easier to trade away his 1.8 million dollar cap hit and take some of these league minimum guys and put him in the lineup. Again, with all due respect to Jordan Marnook, I don't know if we should pay him 1.8 million dollars a year to sit in the press box. Why not give that spot to someone like Jameson Reese or even to Stefan Na- Wow Stefan Nason. I originally started this and I was gonna defend Jordan about how, no, this is a stupid take. And we need to calm down. But I I couldn't defend it. I I just couldn't defend it. I couldn't use facts and figures to explain why Jordan should stay on the roster. And why we should continue to pay his $1.8 million hit. When we could literally save that money and use one of our prospects to slide into that spot. Who's going to have a larger offensive upside? Which we need. We need goals. We need shots at net. We need bounces. That's how you win hockey games. You don't win hockey games by being a good dude. As much as that sucks to say. Whew, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I, don't, I have no idea how to transition out of this. <laughs> hey, I don't think uh, Jordan Marnock should be in our lineup anymore. Uh, let's talk about puppies. Like I, I don't know. So we're just going to go into my next thing, which is uh, Paul Maurice. So Paul Maurice is the new head coach in Florida... Which is interesting. I don't. I don't know if I would have hired him for Florida, honestly. Gotta love Paul Maurice, Showman Mo, all day long. Longest serving head coach in Hurricanes history took us to two. Uh, well, took us to the Cup Finals and then the Eastern Conference Finals. Neither of them ended in our favor. Uh, the latter of it being an embarrassment against the Pittsburgh Penguins. But he's now the head coach in Florida. And he is the one who originally gave... Actually, let's not give that all away. Let's say that Rod Brindamore and Paul Maurice have a complicated relationship. Remember that Rod Brindamore played for Maurice for, uh, I don't know, like three... Going on five seasons, maybe six seasons as his head coach. And Paul Maurice was also the one who gave Rod Brindamore the captaincy. No, I'm sorry, he wasn't. That was LaViolette, but he is the one who took it away. He is the one who stripped Brindamore of the sea to give it to Stahl, which was a very controversial decision at the time. And Rod Brindamore was asked how it feels to coach against him.
1: Well, I've, now I've been doing it for four years, so it's kind of, you know, the first time it was kind of weird. Um, he gave me my first coaching, really, chance. If he really put me on the staff. And I remember I was just actually thinking about for tonight uh, in a preseason game in Winnipeg. He said, "Here, you coach it." You know, I mean, i would never done that. It so, you know, he brought me into it more or less. So um, obviously, I played for him for a long time. So, um, but that's four years now. So we're kind of just coaches now. And I know he's probably not happy that they lost. But I know he's like me. It's
0: preseason. You move on. If I have to be a hundred percent honest, there was absolutely no news value in that. I just thought it was an interesting angle. I I don't know the name of the reporter who asked the question. Don't recognize his voice at all. Like, I don't think I've ever heard it before. But it was a good question, and I enjoyed it. And since I run this show and have full editorial decision-making powers, I added it. Uh, We're going to end today's episode talking about PNC Arena. So the hot take of the summer was that it was not going to be PNC Arena anymore. And I'm going to be 100% honest, I did not think it was going to be PNC Arena anymore. Uh, And then the Twitter account, which is apparently, you know, leaking all this information from the team, probably isn't, but whatever, said that, uh, Lord Stanley's Warehouse, excuse me, uh, said that Lenovo had won the rights, which has been proven wrong, by the way, but not my point. The news that came out, not today, well, not the night of the game, but it would have been Wednesday, Reported by WOL Sports is that the Hurricanes actually signed a 90-day naming rights agreement with PNC Bank. Um, as part of the deal, they now have an exclusive negotiation window. So, for the next 90 days, or from—I don't know when the contract was signed. I, sh- I should preface that. Uh, I'm going to assume around August 31st. So, from August 31st, they have 90 days to sign a new agreement for the naming rights to the building, and. The Hurricanes can't talk to anyone else. They can only try to make an agreement with PNC, which tells me that it will most likely be PNC Arena again. At this point, they're just trying to iron out finer details. Maybe Don Riddell wants a couple extra $100,000 a year. Maybe PNC Bank wants an extra five years on the deal. Who knows? But it is pretty much certain at this point that PNC Arena will continue to be PNC Arena into the future. I'm not going to say long into the future, into the future as always I want to thank you for listening if you've gotten all the way to the end of the show uh, honestly I'm not going to ask you to share this episode I'm not going to ask you to go check out social media or do anything like that the final goodbye of this episode is a thank you actually Uh, the past week of the show has been the best week the show has ever had Uh, This week on Twitter we've gained like 100 followers, our Instagram has completely taken off, and I'm very thankful. Thank you for all of the support. I do appreciate it. It's not unseen. I will continue to try to make the best content I possibly can. I can tell you there's a lot of exciting things happening, and I can tell you what, because... I mean, it could not work out. We'll find out. But I got a lot of exciting things planned. Thank you so much for continuously sharing and following the show and just supporting us in general i will see you well i don't know yet i might do a post game show on saturday might not but either way i will see you either saturday or wednesday thank you for listening thank you thank you thank you thank you for listening